welcome to the Animal Rescue Podcast, which you always wanted to know but didn't know who to ask. We will be talking with different people throughout the animal rescue world, finding answers to the questions you've been wondering. All right, Kate, thank you so, so very much for being on the podcast. Of course. I'm so excited to have you. Um, you volunteer, you foster with G. Graham. It's uh, it's pronounced uh, GPA Wisconsin. Okay. So, but no problem. No, I like GPAW. I think we should uh, we should take that actually. <laughs> so, Greyhound Pets of America, Wisconsin chapter. Okay. Greyhound Pets of America is a national organization okay. that um, works for proper care and rehoming of retired racing greyhounds. And there's a lot of state chapters and I volunteer for the Wisconsin state chapter. Okay. So how did you get into it? Kind of, well... So my husband and I, it starts with a completely different breed. We oh. adopted a beagle many years ago from the Humane Society. Mess, mess. He was found on the side of the road in Indiana. Oh. He was, yeah, he was half his normal body weight, like had clearly been abused. And my husband and I thought this was a great first dog because, you know, we knew nothing what we <laughs> no one does. well and no one does and that's why I wanted to start this podcast because even I was volunteering with the local shelter and realized I know absolutely nothing I have no idea what I'm doing I am just gonna figure this out as I go and so I wanted a place for where people could come and go okay these are the topics I'm curious about this is how I can learn more Absolutely. We didn't know what we were doing, <laughs> but we got, I mean, this dog chose us. I always say the dogs choose us and they do. Um, clearly had been abused. He was probably about five ish and we went and visited him and then we walked away and then we visited him again. And then yes. Hi honey. And then, um, my husband was sitting on the floor. He got up and the dog followed him. And I'm like, just sign the contract. Just yeah. bring, just yep. sign it. Just sign it. Um, and we had no idea what we were getting into. He had a horrible case of kennel cough. He had all Oof. kinds of, yeah, all of that. Took him home. Almost returned him. Oh, no. Because just, I mean, yeah, we, we didn't know. He didn't know. Like, he had never. It was very clear that he was probably a, um, a hunter that didn't hunt. Mm kind of that thing um so we didn't know but we stuck it out figured him out and it really took like a solid year oh, I will wow. say a solid year to get this dog I mean he was afraid of men he was afraid of hats he was afraid of garbage cans you name it yeah like brooms bring out a broom and he would just take off um um, but we got him settled and we actually got him into daycare, which was a huge help with his socialization skills. Um, Cause he wouldn't socialize well. He didn't know how to socialize well. Um, but we noticed that he was um, kind of a, a breed snob. Interesting. Yeah. And I think probably at some point he might've been attacked, maybe been attacked by a larger oh. animal or like a certain animal or something like that. So um, we worked with him for about a year. And then we thought, well, he could really use a friend, but we weren't really quite ready to commit. So we started Beagle Rescue and we did Beagle Rescue for a number of years. And that really seemed to help him. But we, my husband has always wanted a Greyhound. He was a homemaker companion for an older woman for many, many years um, who had Greyhounds. And that's how he got exposed to the breed. And he loved the breed and he kept telling me about this great breed. And I'm like, uh, eh. Okay, but we have this beagle who's kind of weird and yeah. whatever. Fluke is he ended up working with someone who was involved in greyhound rescue. 
and she's like, come to this meet and greet at this pet store. Like, no, like bring the beagle. We'll see once what happens. Brought the beagle. The beagle walks up to the greyhound, stands on his hind legs and licks the greyhound. Oh my goodness. Beagle likes greyhounds. Clearly. <laughs> Clearly enjoys greyhounds. <laughs> um, so we're like, okay, well, that's kind of a game changer for us. So we went through the whole process, filling out paperwork, home visits, blah, blah, blah. And um, we adopted our first greyhound. Um, and we just kind of slowly transitioned from beagle rescue to greyhound rescue. They were just a better breed for us. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how we ended up in beagle, or that's how we ended up in greyhound rescue. My goodness. So how long have you been in greyhound rescue now? Oh God, it's gotta be at least 10 years that we've been greyhound wow. rescuing. Yeah. Um, our, uh, last foster who is sitting right there, who's no longer a foster, who we ended up adopting yes. was number one, number 115. Oh my goodness. So we've had 115 foster dogs grand total in yes. our foster experience. That is amazing. So, yeah. So what about greyhounds made them the uh, better breed fit for you guys? They're just much more of a chill breed for us. Um, and I, I love just their, I love them as just like a breed on them on their own. I think they're, they're funny. And I think they're, they're just this really unique breed and they come with an amazing, cool history. They're a very old breed and they're lazy. That's what I've heard. Are they really couch potatoes? 18 hours a day <gasps> on my couch. Oh yeah. Oh it's like, I, I tell people and it's legit. It's like having a very large cat. Oh my goodness. That is yeah. too funny. And if they go to daycare, um, like some of ours do, uh, they will literally sleep for three days <gasps> after that. They're just, they'll get up, they'll go to the bathroom, oh they'll eat and they'll go right back to bed. Oh my <laughs> so, God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're bred to sprint. Yeah. So they have that mentality. Like they will, ex they will go through all their energy very quickly oh, sure. and then they sleep and then they sleep. Yeah. So you just mentioned that they have an interesting history. What is that? I don't know all the details. I do know they're some of the original depend on if you trace all the way back is there a, there a, Middle Eastern or, or Egyptian or African type. Most of them that were used for some kind of a racing or, or whatever. Um, there's been a lot of mixed breeding with purebred greyhounds and other breeds for hunting purposes. They, they okay. were used for hunting for many, many years. Um, I just, I know everybody says they're like one of the oldest breeds yeah. around. So <laughs> kind of interesting that way. Um, yeah. I haven't really delved much into it, but I know that, you know, that's kind of where they've come from and they've worked, but mainly for hunting. That's interesting. What makes them, do they have a prey drive? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Inspect. That's one of the considerations we have to take into with, uh, fostering and adoption. They have a very, very strong prey drive, which is part of the reason why they, they race and they run is because of their prey drive. Mm. Um, when we bring them in to retire, uh, we do cat testing and little animal testing. Um, if we know a family that's applied that has little dogs, we will little dog test them as well. Oh, interesting. Um, I do not take mine to dog parks for a variety of reasons. Um, but one of them is I don't entirely trust any greyhound with a little dog yeah. running free. Um, that's part of the reasons why they use the muzzles as well when they're out and about is just the prey drive. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Um, the muzzles are for a couple of reasons. Um, one of them is, um, well, when they raise them, they do it for protection, protection of the mouth because their teeth are right there. So one knock and the teeth, like there's just not a lot of protection there because it's just the, the long snout. Oh yeah. So when they're playing or when they're racing, like it wouldn't take much for, 
you know, I had to knock into a head or a hip or whatever, yeah. and you're knocking teeth out. Um, also, their skin is very thin. So let's say somebody jumps and or, you know, they'll take a knit, you know, like a dog yeah. nip or whatever, normal dog play, yep. and you could have a really serious cut without much effort because there's no skin. I mean, there's no, the fur is very fine. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, so the, the muzzles are more for like just physical protection than anything else. It's not because they fight. Yeah. Very, they very rarely, they, they're not an, a very rarely do I see an overly aggressive greyhound. Um, it's more for just protection. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're really, they're comfortable with them because they wear them all the time down at track. Mm -hmm. So, and it's usually how we start when we transition a new dog into the house, I will put the muzzle on. Yeah. Um, number one, because we have cats. So yeah. double check, make sure <laughs> right. we're good with the cats. And if they can get, like, they can get their mouths into stuff, like they can get nosy and, sure. you know, nose goes first and everything. And the muzzle just kind of protects them from that. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned racing and tracks. How, how closely do you work with tracks and such? Um, I guess my biggest question is, so I've always heard that dog racing is really bad and it's, I mean, are there upsides to it? Are there good things about it? Well, I can say our group and in the state of Wisconsin, we don't have right. We do not have racing anymore. Um, our last track cut, shut down many years ago, um, which really kind of changed how our group ran. Um, when we had tracks here, we had very, very, very close relationships with most of the dog owners. Um, and we had access to the tracks when the dogs were getting ready to retire. Like we could go in and get them because where we were keeping the dogs was very close by. So we had these great working relationships with owners, um, things like that. Um, now we work with people who are from out of state, mainly down South Florida, um, Carolinas, Iowa is a big place that we work. Their track is only open seasonal. So they run maybe six or seven months out of the year. Um, these dogs are athletes. They're truly athletes. I believe what makes a good retired greyhound is their experience at the track with their owners. I've worked in a lot of other rescue and we talk about abuse and what we mm -hmm. see. I saw that much more prominently in other breed rescues when we started bringing dogs in. Yeah. It's very, very rare to see an abused greyhound coming off track. The owners have a vested interest in these dogs' health. Mm -hmm. I mean, if anything, like, let's say the owner doesn't care about the dog and whatever, yeah. like that's the owner's perspective and that's not for me to get into. They have a financial interest to make sure that that dog thrives. Sure. Or they don't, like their business isn't going to thrive. Right. You know? Um, we actually have racing owners in our group that help, uh, that actually do foster, like they foster dogs and they place dogs and they let us use kennel space for the dogs that we bring in. We usually don't bring the dogs straight from track into homes. We take them into a kennel so that we can vet them and make okay. sure that everything's on the up and up. They usually have to be dewormed, like, you know, the typical, yeah. all that protocol. Um, and then we have an opportunity to evaluate them. Um, with a breed like this, with a high prey drive, we can't really put them straight into homes if they have small animals. Um, and all these owners help us, a lot of the owners help us with transport. Like oh, wow. they will help us use their, cause they have these big transport vehicles mm -hmm. that we don't, we don't have access to. No. Um, and they'll drive the dogs. Wow. Um, we, we have almost where often rescue groups um, will kind of pitch in because we brought a lot of dogs up from Florida. Yeah. So we would have rescue groups from, from Florida all the way up to Minnesota that would kind of pitch in for gas and whatever if you drop dogs off along the way. 
So this transport would top, start down in Florida and then they would pull over wherever, Oklahoma, mm -hmm. whatever, drop off five dogs for that rescue. And then they'd come all the way up and they drop to here, they come by us and they drop so many dogs up with, and then they keep going up to Minnesota and even sometimes they go into Canada. Oh, wow. So that these dogs can go to rest, go to adoption groups. Wow. And oftentimes those are the owners that actually do it or the owners of these transport vehicles, which are usually someone that's in has a vested interest in the dogs. That's, that's actually really nice to hear because I think a lot of times when it comes to animal racing, horses, dogs, whatever, it just, it always seems like these owners, it, they look at these animals as property. They don't look at them right. as living, breeing beings. Right. And so it's, it's really nice to hear that they act, they chip in for transport and they are willing to drive across the country into Canada even to make sure that these dogs have a good retirement, a good second life, if you right. will. Right. Um, you know, they treat them that they are, you know, and we can tell, like, you can always tell when there's a kennel favorite, you know, like the owners yeah. have a favorite and then that that dog is usually a brat. Like, it's, just, <laughs> it's like, oh, you're, you were, yep. you were the owner favorite. I understand <laughs> you like, okay, we need to reset your behaviors. Right. Um, you know, I think there is some of that, but you know, on the other hand, like they do care. I, most of the ones that I know and the ones that I work with yeah. all the time care, like they don't want to just see these animals destroyed. They don't, they know that these animals have value to them, but they have value to other people as well in a different way. Yeah. I don't get racing. I've never understood it. Like I don't, I, yeah. I'm like, okay, yay. But I don't get horse <laughs> race. I don't get horse racing either. No. Like I don't get it. It's not my thing. Right. I have friends. I have fellow volunteers They're That's they're in. I'm like, oh. you go like, right. You go be free, go do it, go support them and whatever. Um, so I just, I don't really have like a thought on it. I'm more concerned yeah. about what is happening to the animal and what right. is happening to the dog. And I know there's a lot of people that go out of their way to make sure that these animals get cared for. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really awesome. Hmm. Just see. Oh, you can see Jack. <laughs> just curled up as it's content so as could be. <laughs> he's so happy. This this is where he hangs yeah. out. He's he uh he's still adjusting to retirement, but uh I think he's got the hang of it right now. <laughs> yeah, it looks like he's definitely settled in quite nicely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he is from Orlando. Okay. Um, and then he spent some time on his original farm once he was done racing. So sometimes the dogs they they race, they might not do well or they're kind of doing iffy. So the owners will pull them back to the farms. They might've wanted to breed him. They might've wanted to try him in a different track yeah. or whatever. They decided not to. Um, so now he got, well, he got here. Yay. <laughs> he got here. So oh my yeah. Now I just thought about this. So yeah. greyhounds having almost no fur in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. That transition cannot be easy for them. He's doing well. Yeah. Um, he loves the snow. Oh. Which is hysterical because he just kind of looks like this little deer. Yes. Romping, romping <laughs> through the backyard. Um, obviously with the sub-zero temperatures right now, I'm not letting him out with any without anything on. Yeah. Um, so he has his fleece. Um, he has a whole winter coat that's like a full insulated, waterproofed, like Velcros around the tummy, has a snood so oh that all you goodness. can see is like, yeah, like he's got that. <laughs> um, we don't bring that out much because he's not a big fan. I can imagine. Yeah. Um, some people put boots on them. I've never had much luck with boots on dogs. Yeah. Um, they don't, yeah. not many seem to like them. No. And, and we're lucky enough. Our backyard is, is fenced. Um, so he just goes out and go and comes right back in. Like, yeah. 
we're going out and we're coming back in. Yeah. Um, and he's good with that. But yeah, you can go crazy with clothing, sweaters. Um, what the one that he has on right now was handmade by a fellow volunteer. Oh, nice. Um, we gave her our measurements and my husband really wanted um, the look of the yellow and black to kind of make him look like a bee. <laughs> um, kind of looks like a rugby jersey, actually. It does, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that was, I mean, you can go crazy. It's the same with the collars. You can go crazy with the collars um, and like any design you want, you know. Yeah. Whatever, so nice yeah. so if someone wanted to get into greyhound fostering are there special considerations i know you talked about the prey drive are there other things for people to keep in mind um i think if you wanted to get into greyhound fostering a lot of the more successful groups that do greyhound fostering are greyhound specific groups um, you know, I do Greyhound Pets of America. There are other groups around that just do specific Greyhound um, ad adoption and um, fostering. I don't know. I don't, not exactly sure why that is. I think a lot of it has to do with working with the tracks, working with the owners, um, and just, you know, having access to the dogs yeah. um, as they come out. Yes, Prey Drive is a thing. Uh, leash or fenced in yard 100%, 100% of the time, always, always, always. Yeah. Um, not that they want to run away, but they will take off and they will be gone because they go 45 miles an hour, like in oh a hot goodness. second. Yeah. They call them the 45 mile an hour couch potato. <gasps> they can get up to 45 miles an hour oh, in my a flat second. So it's not that they, it's not that they're like, Oh, I, I'm going away. It's I'm going away and I'm now five five miles down the road and I don't know where I went. Oh, yeah. So um, you can't do any of those. Um, the invisible fencing doesn't work. I wouldn't imagine I'm, with a prey drive like that. Right. Right. Um, you've got to watch the doors, particularly for a newer dog, you mm. know, because they'll just sneak out. Yeah. They can sneak out and it's different if one dog kind of sneaks out, but when a greyhound sneaks out, they're gone. Right. Because that speed is so, is so much. Um, so we're really, um, really big on, you've got to leash them or they've got to be in a hundred percent fenced in yard. My yard is a hundred percent and I have it locked gated just to keep neighbor kids out. Yeah. Like, no, right. <laughs> the dog's not going to hurt you, but I don't want you leaving my gate open like right. that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, they are really, really great walking dogs. Um, they like to walk hmm. not very far, but you can walk them. Because they usually, I mean, at the tracks, they're, they're used to being walked. Like yeah. they're, they've been exposed to being leashed. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, sometimes you get like a total stray dog that's never been leashed before right. and you got to kind of do all of that. These dogs are very used to being handled. They're very used to being leashed. Mm -hmm. um, their stamina isn't so good, but, you know, they'll walk next to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're usually pretty regimented on their schedule. Um, they're on what we call kennel time, which is usually about 4.30 a.m. wake up. Oh for potty and <laughs> breakfast um you can break that pretty easily yeah. you know they'll they'll fall into your schedule pretty easily because they're used to being scheduled you know mm -hmm. you get up at a certain time and, and that's really nice but sometimes those early mornings can go on for a while <laughs> oh my goodness yeah when you bring a new foster and you're like oh it's kennel time it's 4 a.m oh okay. no okay Gotta get up and go to the bathroom. <laughs> All right. Nice thing is, is that they're, they're usually used to going to the bathroom, eating, and then going back to sleep in their kennels. Oh. So if we go potty and then we come in and eat, we're good for a nap. So then go back to nice. bed for a little bit. Yes. <laughs> get a couple more hours before it's time yeah, to Yeah, get a couple more hours out. of sleep. Okay, <laughs> good. Fine, fine. Um, their crate is their safe space. I don't know what kind of experience you have with crating, but. I am a huge supporter of crating. 
I think it's important for dogs to have that safe space. It's, I read somewhere that think of it as their meditative space. Yeah. When they go there, they're meditating, they're unwinding. So yes, I'm a huge supporter of crates. And that's how these guys are at the track. They know when they're in their crates, like that's nap time. Yeah. Because that's where they go after they've expelled all their energy on the track. They're going to go back to their crate and sleep for a while. Yeah. Um, the one thing that can be kind of interesting is they can be what I call, what, what I call um, is they can be kind of snobby about the breeds that they like. Interesting. They have often never been exposed to other dog breeds. That makes sense. So um, they don't often don't know what to do yeah. with another dog. Um, particularly a dog that's that is expressing behaviors that they've never seen. Yeah. Um, I've also had some other dogs react very negatively to a greyhound because they don't know what they are. Sure. Um, another reason why I usually don't go to the dog park, or if I do, I go very early in the morning. Um, because other breeds don't know what to do with them. They don't look like another dog, and sometimes mm-hmm. they don't smell like other dogs. Oh, really? That's, that's the thing. That's what I've been told. (laughs) Interesting. Um, so I'm, I'm very protective. Um, for sure. And I do a lot of trial and error, um, with it. Most of my neighbor, my neighbors all have dogs. So most of their dogs are used to the greyhounds that come and go. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I've had a couple of really where they're like, my dog has never done this. I'm like, yeah, well, that's never met a greyhound. (laughs) Interesting. And sometimes greyhounds don't behave they don't behave like greyhounds or like other dogs. Yeah. Like they just, it's kind of, sometimes they behave kind of differently. Do you have examples off the top of your head of the different? I've, I've, I've fostered some dogs that sometimes have some very peculiar behaviors. This guy actually happens to be one of them, which is why he's here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, he is a very anxious dog for whatever reason he gets, he gets very anxious and he picks up on energy mm-hmm. within the, and he picks up on other dogs as energy. So then we know when a dog, one dog get energy and the other, and then the energies just go up and then it's this hot mess. Okay. Um, and he doesn't quite know how to appropriately interact with other breeds yet. Yeah. He's only, he's less than six months off track. Oh, so he's, very new he's very new yeah he's very very new um and you know unfortunately we got him in fall towards the end of fall and we didn't really get a good chance to socialize him Mm -hmm. um and we tried to get him in at daycare and they took him for a while um but we noticed that when daycare was inside um the energy and the noise just he would go crazy he just (laughs) would start jumping And when greyhounds start to jump, they jump very, very high. Um, And his behaviors to the point where they were like, I don't know what he's going to do. So we bring him home and he was totally fine. It was so funny. They're like, we need you to come. We're like, fine, we'll come get you. We'll come get him. Not a big deal. We work with a great daycare that is all into rescue. Mm. Um, They do pit bull rescue. So they're all in. I know. Love me my pities. Love me some pities. Yes. Um, so they're like, we don't know, like he's jumping so high. We're concerned. He's going to hurt himself. Like he's going to catch something yeah. or whatever. We're like, fine, bring him home. You know what he did? He came in and he fell asleep. I'm like, well, <laughs> that's the end of that. Yeah. I think it's just lack of exposure. Um, you know, just with any other dog that we bring in, we don't know where they come from and we don't know what they've been exposed to. Right. He did spend quite a bit of time on the farm. So he might just be used to farm life yeah and not being exposed to a lot of other breeds and that energy can just come out in a wide variety of ways definitely so yeah that's good very similar to how you know any other adoption group you know you get those weird dogs every once in a while and you're like "Mm." have their quirks that's what we he's quirky (laughs) And that's how we deal with them. <laughs> yep. 
but you know, it's so, it's so nice to have, you know, we always say like, people are like, oh, how did you do it? And I'm like, really, it wasn't us. It was everybody else around us. Yeah. Cause I can call my daycare and be like, can we try this? Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work, like, let me know, we'll put them in a crate. We'll come get them. Yeah. You know, and they're like, bring him back in the spring when we can let him outside again. See, that's so nice. Yeah. We would never be able to do this without the people around us that are also in animal rescue or animal mm-hmm. adoption that get it, that really, really yeah. get it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so amazing. So where can people learn more about fostering or adopting greyhounds? Um, GPA. I think it's gpa.org, but I could be wrong. Otherwise just Google Greyhound Pets of America and the big national chapter will come up and they have all kinds of information. Um, With uh, the tracks shutting down in Florida, um, we have seen a drop in the number of dogs being bred in the United Mm -hmm. States. Um, And the amount of dogs that are being, uh, that are available for adoption is dropping because, you know, breeding less dogs, whatever. Um, so I know that uh, National GBA, GPA is looking at um, other places where we can help or help get dogs adopted, which would be um, Europe, yeah, Ireland, um, Mexico is another place that's being explored. Like there's a wide variety of places um, that the group is the group is not giving up or no. not folding. Number one racing is still here. Um, but racing is around other places as well. And these dogs are going to need homes. Yeah. Um, otherwise you can, you can put in, you know, greyhound adoption, comma, your state and see what comes up. Are there certain things to look for when pulling up a rescue? Like what makes one more reputable or more trustworthy when it, it when you're looking at adopting? Yeah. I mean, I'm biased. I, I think what I, I think what GPA does is good. I, yeah. I wouldn't volunteer for them if I didn't. Exactly. Um, so I think GPA is the way to go. Um, and I don't want to discount multi-breed rescues because they, they serve their time and their purpose and their place. Yes. Um, no doubt. But with greyhounds, um, I'm much more prone to go breed specific. Yes. Um, particularly because of some of the, the niche needs and behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, also some of the health stuff. Um, so they have very specific blood needs. Um, so their blood numbers are, are different than what a normal dog is. It's like oh. my blood number would be, it's like comparing an athlete, like an Olympic athlete with a regular me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, their blood numbers are different just because they're athletes and that's yeah. all they've done. So their, their red blood cell counts are different. They have other certain numbers that are different. Um, that if you don't know what you're looking for, it can look like the dog is sick and the dog's not sick. Interesting. So the numbers can be higher or they can be lower depending on what counts you're looking at. Yeah. Um, and if, if you don't know, or particularly if the vet doesn't know, um, you could end up treating a dog that doesn't need to be treated. Sure. Um, so that is kind of why I, if you're looking at greyhounds, um, breed specific is usually a hint to me. Yeah. Um, greyhounds are not necessarily a breed that you see in a multi-breed rescue very often. Yeah. I think usually when it comes to working breeds, generally, I mean, I know our shelter will try to find a breed specific rescue for them before we consider placing them with a, um, an all breed rescue because of the specific needs. Right. It's like a a Doberman or a shepherd or, um, or anything like that. Also, um, certain states and each state is very different on how they regulate it but there usually has to be a paperwork trail as to where the dog ends up yeah from birth so they come with birth certificates it's very oh cute they come with yeah they come with birth <laughs> certificates 
who owns them, where they're burned, who they're uh, the the sire in the dam. Like you can trace your greyhound back 10 million generations. Um, and that's part of the requirements for racing. Oh, um, yeah. They have to trace it. Part, I mean, it really comes down to health. Like they're breeding for health. You don't want to see inbreeding. Mm -hmm. um, and to be real, they want to breed the winners because you breed winners, you know, right? it's just like horses, right? Yeah. Um, so they come with paperwork. Usually the paper trail has to come from the owner all the way through, comes in through the adoption. Um, and breed specific groups are just, we know how to handle the paperwork. We know how the yeah. state, um, state of Wisconsin has specific paperwork we have to fill out when we're accepting the dogs. Mm -hmm. And then when the dog gets adopted, we have to fill out that paperwork again and send it to the state saying like, oh, really? Yeah. We have specific paperwork that we wow. have to fill out. Like this is where this dog went and for this purpose and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know Wisconsin, we are a little worse. We are, we're stricter mm -hmm. than other states are. Um, but yeah, we have certain paperwork that has to follow the dogs. That's, I um, mean, it's kind of nice though, because you know where the dog is going. It feels a little bit safer, you know, from the perspective of the rescue, having that right. paper trail or even from right. the adopter too having the paper trail, knowing, okay, this is where it came from. These are all the vetting records. You have everything. Yeah. Yeah. Which for me was, was an interesting turn when I went from Beagle Rescue. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. We found this dog on a side of the road. So, okay, well, fine. So like, <laughs> here's the dog and here's a file. I'm here's a file full of paper. Like there's, right? there's paperwork, like, <laughs> oh my God, like vet records and blood yeah. work and dental and i'm like are you kidding like this is crazy yeah um but yeah very different uh approach but obviously a reason for it because of the regulations within racing and making sure these dogs are cared for mm -hmm. and properly vetted um and that follows the dog very nice so um but yeah we have relationships with our local humane societies um we have relationships with our animal control as well. Um, if they get a greyhound, they they usually call us and are like, hey, <laughs> number one, is this one one of yours? Because we keep a database mm. of the dog um, based on their numbers. So they have the tattoos in their ears. Oh. Okay. I did not know. So they that. have should have should have started with that. So each greyhound, when the greyhounds are born, they have their ears tattooed on the inside. One of them is the month and the year on one ear. I want to mm -hmm. say it's I never remember it's left or right. And I know mm -hmm. whoever's listening to this is screaming at me right now. Oh, no. <laughs> so one of the ears, the month and the year they were born, and the birth order. So it's usually a number, a number, and then a letter, because the letter represents what birth order they came out of in the breed. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Helps them keep track of them. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it does make sense. Right. And then the ear, the other ear is tattooed with owner information. So who the owner is, that information is in that ear. And so, it's, it's sent to the national organization for racing or whatever. And they document like such and such and such and such. And it's on the birth certificates and all the things, all the things. So that definitely makes it easier if they come in through animal control. It's without a doubt, either one of your dogs or it's not. Right, right. And we can pull them up by those, by the ear tattoos in our database find them out, or we can even go to the national database. Like, let's say somebody oh. relocated, like adopted the dog. Yeah. We had that once, like somebody adopted the dog in another state and somehow they ended up in Wisconsin. The dog got loose. They called us and we were able to pull it up and find the owner through the national database. We were able to hunt them and find them. Oh my them. goodness. Yeah. So it, it's interesting because a lot of other dogs will get chipped and we chip our dogs as well. We do chip our dogs. Um, but for a while we didn't because why bother? We have your tattoos. Yeah. 
the problem is not many, unless you're into Greyhound adoption and racing, you don't know what they mean and you don't know where to look. Yeah. So we do chip our dogs now. Um, that's part of the adoption thing, but um, most of us would immediately looking for, for ear, like the mm -hmm. ear numbers. Yeah. This is so fascinating. <laughs> so fascinating. Yeah. yeah, they're an interesting breed. They're a very interesting breed. They're lovable. I love them. Yeah. I love them. They and they're, they're just chill. Yes. I was just going to yeah. say that. Like, he's just sleeping. Not mm -hmm. a care in the world. Mm -mm. No. And we've had, I mean, right now we only have one, which is very rare for us. Um, but with COVID um, and just adopting him, we wanted to get him settled before we started bringing foster dogs in and all the things that yeah. slow down adoption in the winter. Mm -hmm. um, but we've had up to 10 in a house and oh my you wouldn't know, you wouldn't know. So are they vocal dogs? No, mm -hmm. not generally, unless someone forgets to read the book. Sometimes greyhounds don't read the book, you know, oh, like the dogs, the dogs aren't spoken, you know, the dog's <laughs> like, oh, I didn't read the book, you know, no. this yeah. breed isn't supposed to do that. Yeah. Well, this dog didn't read the book, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in general, no. In fact, we tell a lot of people and it, it's unfortunate because a lot of apartments have weight limits, but mm. greyhounds make great apartment dogs. I can imagine. Cause they just hang. Yeah. They just hang and they don't make a lot of noise in general mm -hmm. and they're not big shedders um they usually shed once they retire about six months after they'll do about six or eight months after they do what i always call they shed their kennel coat and it can be for no one's really sure why it can be a variety of it can be change of food it can be stress it could be any number of reasons why a dog does a big shed and they yeah. just shed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh great, there comes the kind of coat. <laughs> and then it usually comes in much smoother. It's like it just comes in sleeker oh. and smoother. And I and I don't know. I always say it's it's food and just change of lifestyle. That's yeah. I mean, my that thought sense. on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they don't really shed much. The white ones shed more for whatever reason, white dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But they don't, you know, and they don't smell. I don't think they smell. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. The only time he gets a bit, he'll get a bath is if he gets dirty, maybe. That's easy. Yeah. He might. Well, so he has, he has, um, who we call auntie who owns a groomer shop. Um, in the area who very much loves our greyhounds. Um, and you know, he'll go get his nails trimmed. That'd be about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's really about it. Like they're very, very low maintenance. So do they pull on walks? They can, um, kind of depends on the dog. Yeah. Um, he's a puller. Um, so what I've done is I've done a, a harness and that takes care of it. Okay. I don't, I, he's good. Um, it kind of depends. It can kind of depend. I, of course the younger ones are more energetic, but we find once they hit the age of about three, they chill. They're just chill. How old do they retire at? Mandatory retirement is five. Oh, wow. Most don't make it that far. Most don't. Um, just, you know, it's a young man's game. You know? And I, can, <laughs> you know? I, I feel like it would be kind of tough on their bodies too. Our first Greyhound um, was a big winner. We ended up with her by fluke that she was a huge winner and she raced till four and a half. Um, and the only reason they retired her is she broke her leg. Oh. Um, otherwise I think they'd erased her till mandatory. Yeah. Um, but it's mandatory five that they retire. What's their general lifespan? 
Um, 10 to 15. Oh, so they still have a good oh, yeah. chunk of time left after they retire to just sleep. Right. Just, <laughs> you know, sleep out of beds. Um, the one they don't get, um, the typical, um, big dog health concerns, like the hip dysplasia, yeah. it's all been bred out because oh. when you breed for health, yeah, that's what you get. Like they breed to make sure that these dogs are healthy and athletic. And that's what you get a really healthy, athletic, incredibly in shape dog. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing they can't get rid of is bone cancer. Yeah. And that's just, it, there's been tons of research done. Um, UW Madison does some, has some, has a vet school that does research. Um, I want to say Ohio has another one, a big research and on the bone, on bone cancer. And I don't know, like all big breeds get it. Yeah. There's lots of theories on you know, they grow so fast, you know, that that's just a thing. So, but other than that, like, they're they're really, they're a healthy dog. That's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Health problems and and grooming, not a problem. (laughs) Except for the teeth, the teeth. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Teeth for whatever reason. Dentals are a thing. They just have the tartar buildup is just yeah. that intense. Yeah. And you know, there's theories on that. Well, it's the shape of the mouth or it's, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've had a dog that I never, I, they're going to throw me out of the group. I, I never brushed her teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I never brushed her teeth. She lived to 13. I didn't do a damn thing. And she had all her teeth when she died. And then I, the last girl that we, we actually, um, just lost, she didn't have any teeth left by the time we were done. And it, we just, and she had like garbage mouth. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But dental teeth is a thing. I guess if you don't have to worry about hip dysplasia or other health issues, it's kind of the trade-off. Right. And I'm a big proponent of chew, like giving them chews. And yeah. I am not, I'm not a toothbrusher. Oh, they're going to mm-hmm. still throw me out of the Greyhound group. They're going to throw me out because <laughs> it's a big thing. Like brush their teeth. Yeah. I'm going to brush a dog's teeth. <laughs> um, we did brush my older lady. We did brush her teeth. Yeah. Um, didn't do any good. She didn't have any teeth. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, he likes to chew on stuff. So I am all like chew. Yeah on stuff, please. Yes. Um, it's one of the, the benefits of adopting from a Greyhound specific group. Most of the Greyhound specific groups that I do, I know of mine included, we do a dental on them when they come in. Nice. So you start, you start from square one, mm-hmm. like this dog has good teeth so right. that you can at least go from there. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Like I've met a dog with no teeth and she still eats hard food. Like, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh. Right. Right. It's like the one thing, bone cancer and dentals. Wow. Well, I feel like the dentals at, the, at least are kind of lower on the issue list. They're easier to deal with. Well, and if you really commit to the maintenance. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you do your best with what you got and right. just, it's a reality. I think it's just the reality of the breed. You know, mm-hmm. there's not much you can do about it. Yeah. So. Oh man, Kate. Well, this was amazing. Thank oh, you of course. So, so much. So you're going to get one, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just thinking, man, that looks so peaceful, man. Just sleeping. Yeah. Just go out when he needs to. Mine, mine are three and three of mine are three. And then we have a year and a half and then two seniors, the four youngins. This is a three-year-old right here, honey. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That's a three-year-old right there. 
Yes. Everyone who is thinking about adopting a dog, (laughs) if it's your first one, get a greyhound. Get a greyhound. Get a greyhound. They're a great, great breed. They're unique. Hi, honey. They're unique. Um, but they're great. They're, I love them. I think they're great. They're just fun. The perfect balance of personality and chill. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you go through a greyhound specific rescue, I mean, even if you don't, um, the greyhound adoption community is strong. Um, we, the GPA group, we have our own little babysitting group. So we babysit for each other. That's amazing. Um, Yeah. Every year we do a big gala, of course, not right now, um, but we would do a big gala where everybody comes and brings their dogs. And that's our big fundraiser of the year. Um, we did a big, we used to do like golf outings where everybody brought the dogs and then, you know, you raise money and stuff like that. So you really kind of join this greyhound community. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, where you can go. We have our private Facebook pages where it's like, okay, this is what's wrong. Like my vet said this, like legit, not legit. And mm-hmm. that's, what's nice about having the owners around because yes. they've been in this for years. One of our board members, owner, um, still races her own breed. She is like the top as far as like going to for advice about health, about behaviors, about anything that people are experiencing. And she gives everything back. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if she doesn't know, she finds out who does. We have a vet in the group who adopts greyhounds, who, you know, is always there where it's like, hey, like, mm, what's going on? And that's what's really been nice about the greyhound um, adoption community is that everybody kind of comes together and so loves up on these dogs. Yeah, very, very supportive. Oh, that's yeah. so amazing. Mm-hmm. So that's so nice. Yeah. All right. I'm well, not talking about you. <laughs> yeah. Not he seems to think today. I should talk. Yeah, I should talk <laughs> about him. But we're not going to talk about him. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Kate. You're welcome. Anytime. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Animal Rescue Podcast. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe and tell your friends. Thank you.